You're listening to the Viva La Mami podcast, a podcast about all things motherhood. I'm your host, Jessica Cuevas. I am a mother of one on a mission to redefine the meaning of motherhood as a first-generation, bilingual, and bicultural Latina mommy. Regardless if we feel like a failure from time to time, or if we succeeded with the little things in our motherhood journey, it is important to celebrate all of these experiences as madres. So bring your cafecito as I invite you to be a part of this space and create raw and honest conversations about the exciting and challenging parts of being a mommy. Ahora, vámonos. Hola, hola, amiga. Today, we are welcoming mi tía, Gabriela Serna. My tía Gabi is not the type of tía you may think of. I consider her the cool tía, the one that you trust and that you look up to. After all, she's only six years older than me. And because I am the oldest daughter of three, mi tía Gabi was like my big sister. In this Viva La Mami Spotlight episode and part one of two episodes, you will hear Mitia Gavi's story about having a neurodiverse familia and raising twins, one in which is neurotypical and the other neurodivergent. Quick definition lesson here. A neurodiverse family includes people with a range of different types of brain within a household. Also, neurodivergent refers to a person whose brain processes information in a way that is not typical of most individuals. As a Latina mom, mi tía Gabi not only had to advocate for herself and her children, but she also has spoken up for many parents she knows about breaking stigmas and taboos as it relates to mental disorders like autism and ADHD. I'm sure many mommies will be able to relate to her story, and I hope you get something out of this conversation I had with her. As mentioned, this is the first episode of Two with Mitia Gavi, and this first episode is all about her children, and next week's episode is all about her diagnosis with ADHD as an adult and how she has navigated her motherhood journey as a neurodiverse family. Now, let's get into the first episode with mi tía, Gabriela Serna. Hola, auntie. How are you? Hi, baby. Or, mija, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You always call me that. I yeah. I want to thank you for being here because I think that your story is so worth telling. And I've been meaning to have you here on the show just because there's a lot of life experiences that you had. And I think that many mommies will be able to connect with you and resonate with your story about having a neurodiverse family. And mm -hmm. so before we kind of delve into that and, and just like what your journey has been, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, I was born and raised in Chicago and at about 27, after I got married, I moved to Bolingbrook, like the Bolingbrook area. I now live in Romeoville, which is where my kids go to school. I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40 in November. Uh, so I'm here in Romeoville now because this is where Emilio has his his stellar program, which is what they call the, the autism program at school. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're the youngest daughter of five, of five. women. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, I'm the baby. Yeah, you're the baby. And my mom is your sister and she's the oldest one. She's my second mommy. 
Yeah. Yeah. She definitely raised you, helped my, mis abuelitos, you know, with you. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we're not too far apart in age. Six years, I think. So we were raised more like kind of like siblings in a way. Mm -hmm. Because like I used to fight with you guys when I we were little. So, you know, we <laughs> have okay. that sibling thing kind of going on. I don't remember. So it's all good. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> yeah, but I do consider yourself as like, like my big sister, just because I don't have older siblings, you know, I'm the oldest yeah. one. So yeah, it's it's good. And just like all the memories that we've had, like all the influences that you've had in, in me, like liking Mana, <laughs> and all Getting of your the first guitar. Groups. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And tattoo. Yes, I got you, you your my first tattoo. tattoo. <laughs> the only your tattoo because your dad beautiful. didn't like me but that's okay <laughs> it's all good <laughs> yeah no, he, so... loves me. he loves me oh of course yeah we all do and so yeah like i i appreciate you being here porque a veces we don't have the opportunity to really talk about you know our story kind of in a nutshell like yes mm -hmm. we see each other we connect i think the reason why you're here and i wanted you to be here is to give you that space and that way it's out there for not only listeners to listen and connect, but also it can be kind of like a little momentum for you too to mm -hmm. keep because we need to acknowledge, embrace, and even celebrate regardless if yeah. we've gone through shitty times. You know, I think it's definitely something that we need to acknowledge our, our lived experiences. Because we and learn so, from it. Yes, yes, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So can you introduce us to your familia, like your kiddos? I know you, that you mentioned Emilio, but if you want to yeah. share us who they are. So my kids are Emilio and Sofia. They are twins. They will be 10 next month, oh, which I can't believe and I'm not ready for whatever's coming my way. I'm still legally married, but I've been separated from their dad for five years, but we have a very good co-parenting relationship which makes things so much easier for the kids because they've never had to be choosing sides or anything like that mm -hmm. so i still somewhat him in my family because it's us four we just live in different ways separate houses and but we still consider ourselves ourselves a family like we mm -hmm. are a family just maybe a little bit different than you and alex and and baby bear mm -hmm. so but yeah we're still a family yeah yeah definitely and yeah and i love how you co-parent and you're both kind of in the picture both are you in mm -hmm. the same picture as they are which is great because i know that that helps a lot with you know with working out logistics or um, everything you know, yeah everything every every little aspect of it so yeah that's good because yeah, even when like i've been sick he comes over takes care mm -hmm. of the kids or you know, it it's just one of those things that we chose in the beginning. It, it's like, look, either we will be miserable our entire lives because this co-parenting thing doesn't stop at 18, especially with Emilio, mm -hmm. or we will choose to be friends and, you know, work it out. So, you know, we're friends most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> most, not all. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. But you're definitely parents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah 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 definitely yeah and so 
you talked about Emilio being in a program because of his autism. So mm -hmm. walk us through the very beginning stages when he was little. Can you kind of introduce us to that? And, and what were the first signs that you started to notice with him? So when, when they were born, everything was normal. I had a relatively good pregnancy, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. When they were born, he would reach all his milestones, like right on time. I remember when he was about eight, nine months, everyone would say like, oh, va bien chiquito, because like all those little words that they start saying, you know, at around that age. And so we were like, oh, va hablar bien chiquito. And he was like talking more than Sofia. And then at about a year and a few months, I started noticing some things where we had a bookcase with a, with a bunch of books because I used to have time to read. And he would start taking them down and putting them back up in the same borders. So that was kind of like the first hmm that I noticed, but didn't think much of it. And then little by little, at about a year and a half, I noticed that those words that he had, they were gone. They were just gone. He wouldn't say anything. And honestly, I can't even tell you when it happened. Like, I, I just feel like one day he went to sleep and the next day he just wasn't talking anymore. And then another thing that I started noticing was his lack of eye contact. He wouldn't have the eye contact with me anymore. And I spoke to his pediatrician, which she was amazing in this whole process. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look, there's really not much we can do until he turns two, because a lot of things are considered normal developmental delays and, and things like that. She's like, sure. but if by the age of two, nothing changes, then we'll, we'll take care of it. The day that I just knew that something happened or that something was not wrong, but just not as it was before, was for the Christmas before they turned two. I remember we had given the kids the gifts and I saw all the kids playing with their toys together. And then I remember seeing in your tia's house, Mio playing all the way in the corner with an animal book. Hmm. And it just like, it hit me. I, I just knew it that day. I just knew that something had happened, something had changed. And I went to his two-year appointment. His pediatrician was like, okay, they turned to February 27th. They have right away sent an earlier intervention mm -hmm. uh, specialist to go evaluate him. And he was by his first therapy on April 1st. They did an amazing job. His pediatrician took it seriously because I feel like sometimes pediatricians could be very like, oh, that's normal. Let's just wait. Mm -hmm. Let's just, you know, and, and she really listened to me. She really listened to me. She respected what I was saying. When I was at the office, I remember she gave me a, it, it's like a checklist of like symptoms and, and different things that like developmental things for kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember checking those boxes and checking them. And I was like, oh man, like I, as I was checking everything, I just knew that something just wasn't going to be as we had not planned it, but as we thought it would be. Sure. So, yeah. So he started therapy at age two, right away at age two. Wow. Mm -hmm. And can you walk us through what that looked like? The, the intervention and the therapies, did 
you anticipate it to be a lot different? When I remember when they did the evaluation at first, they asked us a lot of questions like on behavior, like sensory things and how he would get along with his sister, just like what you would think it's question for any other other child. And based on that, they determined that he needed three types of therapy. He needed occupational, behavioral, and speech. Mm. So in the beginning, as as he turned two, they would go over to our apartment. They he had one one session for each each type of therapy once a week. So he had therapy three times a week. Wow. That happened for two years. After that, that's when he got evaluated by his specialist. But anyway, sorry, going back to his therapies, they did everything was based on play, really. Like I, mm -hmm. at first I was like, oh my God, there's going to be these intense therapy sessions and oh my God, what are they going to do to my kid? But it actually ended up being really fun mm -hmm. for them. And I'm saying them because Sophia was always there. <laughs> so she'd learned a lot by, yeah. by that. And the therapists were super fun. They would engage him a lot. So it was a very fun process for him, honestly. And that's actually when we discovered that he knew how to read at age two. Mm. So when the therapist would put letters on a board for him, he was reading them all on his own. We had no idea that he knew how to read because he wasn't speaking. But I remember at the time he would be, his favorite cartoon still is Word World. And we didn't know that he was learning to read, watching Word World okay. until he started therapy. And the therapist like, you know, your kid knows how to read, right? I'm like, what? Like. <laughs> it, it, it was it was pretty cool to to know that he was reading at age two wow yeah it that's was pretty awesome. cool but yeah it, it, therapy is mostly play and that's mm -hmm. how they get him to engage in everything so yeah it, it was pretty fun for him and for sophie too yeah no and i love how sophie was involved in this too. oh yeah she she, she <laughs> thought they were her therapist the whole time yeah <laughs> Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. And just how aware that she has been, verdad? Like with, with that process. Mm -hmm. We did talk about like what kind of support you got, but in addition mm -hmm. to those therapies, what other types of help or support did you receive with Emilio? And how did you know where to look for help? So early intervention is godsend, honestly. Mm -hmm. They really take care of everything for you. I was very lucky that one of his therapists was actually an intern with Dr. Mary Keene, which is one of the top neuro specialists. Something. I don't know the exact name. So she has a huge waiting list. But because her intern was Emilio's therapist, she was able to get him in to see her. We kind of skipped the line a little bit. Sorry. Uh, we kind of skipped the line and he was actually diagnosed officially on February 25th and he turned three February 27th. Mm -hmm. So once they officially get diagnosed, the school district takes over. So okay. they're in therapy through early intervention was, I, I believe it's a state run program. Mm -hmm. Once they turn three and they get their diagnosis or whatever, there's something called an IEP which the preschool system takes over. And back then I was living in Naperville and people always think Naperville oh, is the best. And, and maybe it is, maybe it is not for him. 
they were their i his iep was very limited oh by the way i iep is basically a program where they do like a curriculum kind of thing based on the needs of your child mm -hmm. so at that iep meeting he was diagnosed again by the school district at that time we moved over to the bolingbrook area and once he had the interview there they were like oh this is not enough for him this IEP is too limited for his needs because at that point he was pretty much nonverbal, like mm. completely nonverbal, but they did have to honor that IEP because it was already done. And they're like, oh, we'll give this IEP a try for a month. Three days later, they call me and they're like, nope, he needs a lot more help than they had anticipated. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of just went from there. He received all his therapy, like all the occupational all those therapies he was not receiving at school. He was going full-time to school since he turned three at preschool. And mm -hmm. they kind of just took over the whole thing. And, and honestly, it made it pretty easy for me to go through that process because since the beginning, they have been so supportive. I, you know, maybe the, the I don't know how the numbers work with school districts and all that stuff, but personally, it has been a blessing to have that school district for, for him. Mm -hmm. And because Sophia's a twin, she was considered high risk. I don't know what that means, but mm -hmm. she was able to get free preschool too. That's awesome. So, yeah, it all ended wow. up working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And were they together in the same classroom or were they in separate no. classrooms? No, they were in separate classrooms because him with his classroom is just pretty much kids with, with autism mm -hmm. or just like general developmental delays and she was in a gen ed class but in the same school they've always been in the same school but yeah. different class yeah yeah Lexi, keep an eye on him <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's so good when it comes to cultura and mm -hmm. our latinidad were there any obstacles that you had to go through or do you think that you were lucky to have received the support and the help do you imagine that some families are limited either because of language barriers or insurance or where they're located? We are extremely, extremely blessed and lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, I wanted my kids to be bilingual, like, like we were raised. Mm -hmm. I always thought, oh my God, my kids, they're not going to be like, you know, these kids that don't know Spanish or anything like that. And when we first started the therapy, they're like, oh yeah, there's options for Spanish, but there's a one year waiting list. Wow. Yeah. To get a Spanish speaking therapist. Wow. I was like, look, I don't care if he has to learn Japanese. I don't care what language he's going to learn, but I need him to start his therapies now. Yeah. So that's kind of how we got not stuck, but kind of in the whole English language mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. So yes, him being born here in the US, me being born here in the US did have a great impact on it because we went through public aid. Mm -hmm. Public aid covered everything. So it was easy for me to get them the help that they needed because we have the legal status mm -hmm. to do it. And it really does make me think a lot about families who don't have that legal status, mm -hmm. who can't get public aid, who can't get just private insurance. And even private insurance, they really don't cover much. Nope. Nope. 
you know so that's why i always say i'm like it, it it's a blessing that we were able to get that help now also i consider myself very lucky that we are in more of the suburban area of the chicago land because i also have friends who live in chicago whose kids needed ieps and they're in a waiting list the services are not available for these kids that is what struck me as oh crap i am very lucky we are very mm. blessed that i was able to get him into the program that we did at the time that we did mm-hmm. because people in cps are they're waiting you know they're waiting for these services that are just not available because there's not enough specialists and therapists to be able to help all the kids yeah and another thing that I, I saw to my advantage was that I was able to communicate with these therapists. Yeah. And it's scary enough already. The, the fact that your child is different or, or, or whatever, mm-hmm. that he has challenges, it's already difficult and I can communicate with them. I can't even begin to imagine those parents that can't communicate 100% with the therapist. And that's just, honestly, that's scary to me. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I I really do believe that we are very very blessed that we were able to to get that help, but I know there's so many families out there who it's 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 not easy for them, mm-hmm. 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 especially with the language barrier. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like knowing who to look for, like in terms of help or support. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I and also just your family. Because there is mm-hmm. still a lot of, I don't know if ignorance is the correct word or lack of information, taboo. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call it, but I, I, I know that, I'm, that we're very fortunate that our family is very open about mm-hmm. things like that. But I, I have seen actually not too long ago, one of Mio's friends had a birthday party and one of the, the, the people that were there, I I knew by a friend, that that person didn't want people to know that their daughter was autistic. Mm. And I'm like, why? Why would you want to hide that away from anybody? So I do Mm. believe that that cultural issues, taboos is a huge, huge part of of the lack of information, the misinformation, Mm -hmm. the lack of resources. Because sometimes I feel like people in our community are too embarrassed to say, oh, my kid is not perfect like all the other kids. They see it as, oh my God, my child is autistic. What is wrong with him? Mm -hmm. What are people going to say? Mm -hmm. What are people gonna think that I did wrong? Mm -hmm. And and that's that's a huge, huge issue that I have have seen in a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever responded back or provided like your experience to kind of like normalize many times yeah many times good because some people and someone in our family Mm -hmm. all said once that me and another family friend would share things about autism on facebook because all we wanted was attention what yeah i'll tell you later who it was okay no one too close no one too close to us no one too close to us (laughs) hmm but my thing is it's not for attention it's not for pity it's not for 
I'm actually pretty shy and you know, you, you know that I, I know it doesn't look like it, but I am. So, so to me in the beginning, it was difficult to share that. But then I realized that if, that if my story can help another parent be like, oh, you know, this sounds familiar to my kid. Mm-hmm. And I've actually given names to the pediatrician. I've given numbers to our school district to people that have come up to me. And that's like, oh, where did you get this and this help? Mm-hmm. So by me sharing it, and if it helped only one parent, that was worth whatever exposure I was giving out or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, yeah, so they would confuse that with wanting attention. But it's to educate people because I don't exactly. want people to go through through these things. Because like I said, I was very fortunate to be able to know where to go. But mm-hmm. some people don't. Some people right. are afraid to even ask their pediatrician yes. what's going on with my kid. Yes. So by me speaking out about it, I, I, I believe I, I was able to help some people yeah. with, with their child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. And I think it's powerful that you do that. Porque again, in our community, even though mm. we tend to be super outspoken in certain things, con otras cosas, like we keep it to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Y again, es para apantallar, right? To make it seem yeah. like we are perfect. We have these perfect lives or perfect kids. But it's like, no, like, I'm glad that you've been out there and advocating for these parents. Mm. Porque a veces either parents don't know where to start or they don't know what to ask. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that you are empowering them to consider whatever that is suitable for their kid. Push, push whoever you have to push, honestly, because like I said, I'm very blessed that we had a very good pediatrician, amazing pediatrician that listened and and was open-minded to these things, but not everybody is in that situation. So Mm -hmm. if, if you see that people are not paying attention to what you're saying, keep on pushing. Keep on pushing because if you don't, they always say that my, I'm my son's voice or my child's voice. And in this case, we are literally like for real, for real, their voice, because they can't speak for themselves. And so you have to push, push whoever you have to, you know, fight with whoever you have to, to be heard and to get your child the, the help that, that they deserve honestly, mm-hmm. that they need and that they deserve because every child deserves to to get the help that my son is receiving at yes. the moment and that he hopefully he will continue to receive until he's 21. Yeah. Because he will be through the school district until the age of 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's great. One of the questions that I had here is like, what kind of advice can you give a Latina mom or a parent about noticing their child's symptoms and when is the right time to seek intervention? Your pediatrician has to be the person who will refer you to early oh, intervention. Okay. And I would say right away, mm-hmm. right away. If you see, because I, I know this, we have a lot of this and, and you won't let me lie here. El niño va a hablar grande. Yeah. Está como la tía de la hija de la prima que habló hasta los cuatro años. <laughs> and it was yep. like, yeah, cool. But my son, él ya hablaba y dejó yes. de hablar. Yes. Esa es una de las cosas que, that you have to really keep an eye on. It's not the fact that they're going to speak older. Kids are different. Mm-hmm. They say different things at different times. 
cool. Like that's not an issue. The issue here was he was speaking and then went back. Mm. But also trust your instinct. Mm. Mm-hmm. Trust your mom instinct. Because I know that my sisters and my mom and everybody would say it. And, and I know they did it in, in the most loving way. But they would say like, oh, he'll be fine. You know, he'll catch up. But I just knew something mm. was off. And like I said, I know they did it with the best intentions. I know they did it with all the love in the world. But I decided to not listen. You know, I decided to not listen and and seek the information. Because mm-hmm. I was like, at the end of the day, I'm the one who has to deal with all of this. Yep. Me and their dad are the ones who have to deal with it. So I will listen to my gut. And that's what we did. And regardless of what anybody said, like, I, I would even get like, I exageras you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know but you know you as a mother and and or a father know when something is not especially for me because i have twins mm-hmm. so that that was a huge thing for me because seeing a neurotypical child developing compared to her twin brother that was like a night and day yeah so to me it was like it was just it was just, it was there. It, it, it was right there in front of my face. Yeah. And, and like I said, sometimes people don't, especially in our community, sometimes don't want to realize, you know, porque, ¿cómo voy a tener un hijo loco? Mm. Because of course, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. mi hijo es nada más travieso. Yeah. Pero, ¿cómo voy a decir que mi hijo no es perfecto? And it's not about you. It's about your child. Yes. And the sooner you recognize that there is something not quite right, the sooner you will get them help and the more chances they have to live the most normal life possible. One thing his doctor told me was that the age is between two and five. Those are the crucial years for therapy. Because those are the years that kids absorb the most information possible. Mm-hmm. So that is the crucial time for a kid on the autism spectrum to receive therapy. Mm. And it's not saying that they can't have therapy later. It, you know, they can have it at any age. But those ages two to five is the most crucial age to get therapy to give them the best chance possible and like i said the sooner you recognize it the sooner you stop thinking about yourself and Mm -hmm. the type of child you would want to have and the type of perfect family you would want to have it's not about you it's about your child yes so the sooner you, you you just let that idea of the perfect everything go the better things will will be for your kids yeah i love this i i think that this speaks so much about just like your advocacy, tambien like the strength that you've had and the realization tambien about just like, how did you overcome those cultural norms or expectations that we were set, you know, in and ingrained in us, verdad? Mm-hmm. Because you had to obviously like know what was best for your child. And for me, like, I've always said like, you are an amazing mom, but I'm literally going to say this, you you are, 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Make me cry. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, you knew that your son needed this. He, and yeah, and now look at him. Like, he's just amazing. I love him. And he talks so much crap now. <laughs> Because now his new thing is motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> that's that his new. So but funny. but he uses it <laughs> in, at the right moment, which okay. I, I, so I, it's not like hi motherfucker or whatever. Oh no, he's like <laughs> like there's something. Oh, you motherfucker, and I'm like mio, don't. <laughs> so yeah, I still remember his first swear word. It, it was a proud moment, even by his therapist. I had a watermelon on top of 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 the kitchen island. And I was like, Emilio, stop playing with it. Se va a caer. Emilio, aplacate, se va a caer. And then I'm in the living room, and then all of a sudden I hear the watermelon. And like, Patino, he's like, oh shit. And he runs. <laughs> that was his very first swear word. And when I told his therapy, he's like, oh my God, he used it the right way. <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, so yeah, he he's he's too smart sometimes. Yeah, he is. He's he's a good yeah. kiddo. <laughs> but I don't really care what people think. I don't care really. So to me, like any cultural norms or anything never mattered, honestly, mm. because it was about my child. Yes. This is my kid. It's my responsibility to get him the help that he needs. And I honestly never cared what anybody thought, what anybody would say, what any, and I think that's one thing we really have to start getting over, el que dirán. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, la hija de la vecina, de la prima, de la tía, de whatever, <laughs> is not going to be there with you yep. dealing with whatever your situation is. Yes. They're not going to you're the one that's going to be there not not them yeah. so you have to do what's best for you and your family your child not what mm -hmm. anybody else thinks mm -hmm. so yeah and i've always been that way so now even more yeah i've always been like the little rebel <laughs> <laughs> no but that's good because you're yeah. you're being authentic and you're you speak mm -hmm. your truth you know and and I think i'm not going to sugarcoat it to please anybody no. Yep. At all. Yep. Mm -mm. Yep. No. More power to you. <laughs> so let's talk about Sophia. You mentioned that she's like neurotypical, fiddle. Mm -hmm. A lot of things have kind of come up that, that you've shared with me, but can yeah. you share with our listeners and kind of explaining what you noticed in the beginning about Sophia? Well, first of all, she's the most amazing <laughs> Beautiful, smart, smartest child <laughs> I could have possibly asked for. She's my little helper. Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean it in, in the way that, oh, she has to help me because she doesn't. I, I've never, except right now, I told her, keep your brother in the room. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I never put that responsibility on her. She's always done it on her own. And because of my situation growing up with my sister, I understand her. She will always look after him. That's just her instinct. That's her nature. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. So she's always been really good with him. But lately, not lately, I would say in the last maybe two years, I've seen things changing in her. I've seen her be very anxious. 
she gets overwhelmed very easily. So I started seeing me in her, mm. which started scaring me a little bit because I was diagnosed at 38 with ADHD. Mm. But I started seeing a lot of her frustrations that I had as a kid feeling not good enough because you can't focus, feeling overwhelmed and having a messy room because you don't even know where to start. I would tell her, clean up your room. And she would just start panicking. And I'm like, why are you crying? No te estoy regañando, no te estoy pegando. But I don't know where to start. I'm so overwhelmed. And I was like, damn, that's how I felt my whole life. Mm. So that's when I started noticing that something was off with her. Not off, but you know, Something was going on. She's very fidgety, was having a hard time sleeping. Mm. I started seeing me as a child in her. Mm. And so she's been taken to get evaluated and she started therapy. She doesn't have a diagnosis yet, especially mm. in, in children. That takes time, but there is a suspicion of her having ADHD. Mm. He has it too. Yeah, Emilia mm. has it too, but we're on it. We're waiting to see what's going on. The school's also been very helpful. You know, the teachers are aware of it and, and they help her. Because she gets a lot of anxiety and testing and and mm. and things like that. More than maybe your the other kids do. So yeah, but we're working on it. You know, yeah. there, there's a plan there, I guess you can say. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. good that you'll, as soon as you notice like different mm -hmm. signs, y todo eso, like now you're giving her the opportunity to get help, right? And the support mm -hmm. needed. So that way you're building success for her, you know, in, in terms of whatever she needs. Because I think back to my time, my mom and dad didn't have that knowledge. They had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I, I would never blame them at all. Like my, you know, your Willitos are the best parents anyone could possibly have. They just didn't know. Yeah. They didn't have that, that, that education, that knowledge, that information, actually nobody had that information back then. You know, you were just el niño travieso, el niño que no sabía, el niño que, you know. But now me having that, I refuse to have my kids go through the same things that I've had to go through because the information wasn't there. Hmm. So if I can do absolutely anything in my power to be able to make those things a lot easier for them, I'm going to do it. Yeah because they deserve it. Yes. All kids deserve it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. When it comes to raising twins, <laughs> and not just twins, but boy, girl, they're both neurodiverse, verdad? One is mm -hmm. neurodivergent, the other one neurotypical. Like, mm -hmm. how did you navigate that to ensure that Los dos reciben kind of like that personalized attention and, and I wouldn't say that you are a single parent, right? Because you mm -hmm. still co-parent. But yeah. But, yeah. But you know, it, my uncle has always worked. He's always yeah. had a busy schedule. Mm -hmm. So with you doing this kind of on your own at times, like, how did you navigate that? It, it's, it's a thing of, first of all, the blessing of having the children that I have. Mm -hmm. Because I think maybe other kids in Sofia's case would be jealous mm -hmm. of maybe the attention that her brother has to mm -hmm. give or a lot more needy. Mm -hmm. She's very independent. 
She's very independent. She adores her brother. So she's all about him getting the attention. She gives him all the attention. <laughs> oh, because sometimes when, when I want to correct him in something, she's like, mommy, he doesn't understand. Okay. Like leave him alone. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's the mommy? <laughs> <laughs> so it does help a lot that Sophia is so understanding and so mature, but also is that I try to do things whenever I can just with her. So for mm -hmm. example, if, if possible, I'll go to eat just with her and Mio will stay with his dad. Mm -hmm. So I try to get that one-on-one -on -one time with her. Mio sleeps a little bit earlier, which that gives us time to do what she calls snuggle watch, Aww. which we we're in bed and we're watching TikTok, of course, <laughs> and we're watching videos, just me and her. Yeah. So that has really helped for her to, to, still get that one-on-one -on -one attention not feel neglected because obviously he needs more attention mm -hmm. most of the time but so yeah I, I i try to give her time just for her as much as possible yeah mm -hmm. that's good yeah. yeah or like i give her another thing that i try to do because mm -hmm. when we go out with other kids to play she tends to not fully be there because she's so busy watching over him hmm. and as much as I tell her Sophie I'm the mom I'm gonna take care of him you go do your thing you go play you no mommy but I have to take care of him I'm like no you don't like that's what I'm here for so sometimes I will let her go with the other moms which I love she goes with them alone and I'll stay at home with Mio so that she has her time hmm to just be a nine-year-old and play with her friends and not have to deal with anything else. Yeah. So I give her that space as much as I can. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. yeah, it's good that you spend like quality time with mm -hmm. each of them, you know, yeah. together, but I mean separate. And mm -hmm. that way, yeah, you can be present with them, but they mm -hmm. can also be present with you yeah. and yeah. Mm, that's great yeah and, and it's cool because now Sophia's friends know how to take care of Mio <laughs> they're hilarious they they they're so funny and like when we go to a playground they're like oh no we, we got him we got him you know they they <laughs> they know how to take care of him and that's pretty cool to see that yeah. that she's surrounding herself with kids that have that heart yeah that's good yeah I don't know who she will be, but I think she's going to do big things. <laughs> oh, just... yeah. Well, I don't know if I've, if I've told you this, mm -hmm. but their school has gen ed and has what they call a stellar program, mm -hmm. which is where all the special needs classes are at. So they have a program where kids from gen ed go with kids in the stellar programs and they have like playtime. They call it mm -hmm. like social time. So her teachers nominated her oh. to... So it's every Thursday or Friday for an hour, they go and, and they pick up their friends to their class and they go into like a playroom. And that gives the, the kids in, in Stella program the opportunity to socialize with gen ed kids to help them socialize at an age appropriate way. So they're not always just with the, the stellar program kids. They get to have gen ed friends just like any other kid. That is so nice. So she's been doing that. 
and she's been making friends like that. And next week, we're actually having a play date with one of Emilio's Stella program friends and with mm-hmm. all of Sofia's Janet friends. <laughs> so pray for us. <laughs> we'll see how oh, that goes. Awesome. You should take so, a little flask with you or something like. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. For their birthday party. That should be interesting. Yeah. For the first time, we're going to have both friends. Yeah, that's gonna go. But oh my gosh, that's fun. It'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah, but but she's doing that kind of that program right now. Okay, that's so good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing Emilio's story, Sophie's story. Thank you for tuning in to the Viva La Mani podcast. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a review and write what episode really resonated with you. If you really loved it, share it on social media or with an amiga. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow me at Viva La Mami on Instagram or visit VivaLaMami.com. Please note the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be replaced by your healthcare provider nor taken as professional advice.